We've all seen those in case of emergency signs. The, the fire alarm sign that says, in case of fire, pull lever. The poison control center sticker that says, in case of emergency, call 911. And the guy at Silver Dollar City that announces, in case of emergency, exit to the right. You know what I mean. It's good to know what to do in case of an emergency before you face the emergency. No one in time of crisis wants to hunt down the manual to figure out what you're supposed to do now. When it's an emergency, people want to know what to do right away. Unfortunately, Joshua didn't have a warning sign. He didn't have an instruction manual. He didn't even have a way to call 911. He was, however, in an emergency. After the miraculous victory at the city of Jericho, the nation of Israel suffered a devastating defeat at the small village of Ai. And Joshua couldn't figure out what happened. So he goes to God. And he begins to wonder, should we have come into the promised land at all? The answer God provides for Joshua is instructive to any of us that find ourselves in a crisis brought on by our own sin. We're going to begin reading in verse 10 here in Joshua chapter 7. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I gave them to keep. And they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. Folks, we need to understand in no uncertain terms, sin, violating God's law, thinking our way is better than his way, that's an emergency. And we need to know what to do. First of all, we need to recognize that it is a crisis. Now, Joshua knew that the nation was in trouble. That was pretty obvious to him. He didn't have to figure that one out. He just didn't know why. And as a result, he didn't know what to do about it. But he does do the right thing. He turns to God. Now, it may not have been his best prayer, but at least he was praying. It's recorded in verse 7 of chapter 7, and Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Now, Joshua does a little complaining, respectful complaining, but complaining nonetheless. He does recognize that God is sovereign, that God is in control, but he cannot understand why God would go to all the trouble of delivering the nation out of Egypt, of bringing them through the wilderness, of taking them into the promised land, only to have them destroyed at this tiny village called I. But that's the thing about prayer. Oftentimes, we don't really know what to say to God. We're not really sure what's going on or what's happened or why it's happening. But folks, you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> Some people, they say, well, I don't know what to say to God. I don't know how to bring this to Him. I don't even know how to talk to God about this. And so they don't. 
Now Joshua makes some mistakes in his prayer. Again, it wasn't a perfect prayer, but it's the right idea. He comes to God. And even when we don't know exactly what to pray, if we'll just go to God, He'll set us straight. He did for Joshua. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I gave them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. God told Joshua that this was not the time for wallowing in self-pity. No, this was a time for action. Joshua had no reason to doubt that God would fulfill his covenant promise. By this time, he'd seen God do that over and over and over again. God had always been faithful. Joshua had no reason to think that God wasn't going to be faithful now. So, if God wasn't the problem, Joshua needed to figure out what was. So God told him. There was one in the nation of Israel who had violated the specific command of the Lord. They had taken some of the treasure from Jericho. Now, we need to back up a little bit to last week. We saw why this was a problem. The treasure in the city of Jericho, you know, God had had this tremendous victory for the nation of Israel. The walls had fallen after they'd marched around for seven days and called out in victory for the Lord. God had given them a great victory, but he had told them something very, very specific. Don't keep any of the treasure in Jericho for yourself. Now, it was custom of the day. As armies would conquer a city, they would go in and they would take everything. It was a way to show, hey, we won, you lost. But God said, you're different. This victory is not about showing you to be the victor. This victory is about bringing me glory. This this victory was not to enrich the people of Israel. This victory was to give glory to God. And so they were to take nothing. All of the gold was to be collected and given to the treasury of the Lord. But somebody thought that didn't mean them. And you remember last week we saw how Achan, one of the soldiers of Israel, decided, well, I'll scoop up a little bit of this gold, put it in my pocket. Nobody will know. But God did. So God calls Joshua into action. He gives him a plan on how Joshua will be able to discover who it is who has violated God's command. He was to bring the people before God tribe by tribe, and God would indicate the offending tribe. And then out of that tribe, he was to bring each family, and God would indicate the offending family. And then out of that family, each man would come before the Lord until God revealed who it was. And and when all of that was done, guess who was left standing? There was Achan, the man who had taken treasure From Jericho, it wasn't really a lot, to be real honest. Verse 21 tells us it was a robe, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold. Just a pocket full. Achan thought that he had this under control. He'd taken his little newfound treasure and he'd hidden it under his tent. But he forgot something. You can't hide anything from God. 
To start the process of healing, first Joshua and the people of Israel had to recognize the problem. God had not abandoned them, but Israel had forgotten God. A family who shall remain nameless thought they were going to have to buy a new washing machine. The washing machine, it would agitate the clothes, but then it would stop when it would get to the spin cycle. It wouldn't, you know, spin the water out of the wet clothes. And so they called in a repairman. The repairman tried to diagnose the, the problem, and he looked over the motor. He looked over the belts, and everything was just fine on the machine. Uh, finally, he, he took apart the drive shaft and discovered what the problem was. A sock had, had worked its way out of the drum of the washer, up the agitator, and had wrapped itself around the drive shaft. So once that problem was identified, they didn't have to buy a new washer after all. They did, however, have to buy a new sock. The nation of Israel could not heal until they identified the problem. No amount of complaining, no wallowing around in self-pity was ever going to solve anything. But at least Joshua did the right thing. He, He brought his complaining to God. Folks, when life isn't working, that's the first thing to do. Take it to God. And you may think you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to say. Don't let that keep you from the Lord. Again, Joshua doesn't say all the right things in his prayer. But God straightened him out. And God will do the same thing for you. Just go to him. Ask God to reveal to you what there is in your life that might be keeping you from what God wants you to be. Maybe you've hidden some earthly treasures in your heart. Maybe you've allowed sin to infiltrate your life. Maybe there's some disobedience that's crept in and you don't even realize it, but God sees it. God knows. But even more significantly than that, not only does God know what the problem is, He's got the cure. So the Bible invites us to find healing in the power of God. The cure for Achan's sin was harsh. God told Joshua there was only one cure. Verse 13, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. And then in verse 15, he who is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He's violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Wow. Yikes. When his disobedience to God was discovered, the treasure from Jericho there hidden under his tent was taken along with everything Achan owned. They took it out into a nearby valley, and and Joshua let Achan know just how serious this was. Verse 25, Joshua said, 
Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them over Achan. They heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. That word Achor is a word that means trouble. And that pile of stones would be a reminder to every person who passed by the devastation that had been brought on by Achan's sin. A devastation that had caused Israel to lose the battle, caused 36 men to lose their life, and it cost Achan everything. That seems harsh. Is sin really that bad? As Brian told you earlier, tonight at 6 o'clock, right here in the auditorium, we're going to be viewing a video called Flying Blind. It's produced by Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. And and the video, in, in a very clear and direct way, shows the devastation that sin brings into the life of the believer. There are four people in the the video who give testimony of how they allowed what what seemed initially to be just harmless, meaningless, small sin to come into their life and how it devastated their families, how it devastated their churches, their careers, how it devastated their life. Now, a warning. Don't come and watch this video if you don't want to be convicted. We all make the mistake sometimes of thinking, hey, other people's sin, that's a bad thing. But our sin, not that bad. Well, just ask Achan. So don't come if you don't want to be convicted, but I encourage you to come. You don't want to miss this tonight. If you have friends and family, bring them. Because the message of this video will have a profound impact on your life. It'll not only convict you, but it also will show you how God provides the answer to our sin. The harsh response to Achan's sin is a clear message of how we all deeply need the forgiveness of God. You see, I know Achan. I look at him every morning when I look in the mirror. Because Aiken's just like all of us. We've all done the same thing. We've all thought, well, this little pocket full of sin not going to matter. And I'll hide it deep under my tent. Nobody will ever see it. It's no big deal. We've all made the mistake of thinking the treasures of this world were more important than God. We've all hidden them away in our life thinking that nobody would ever know. And the harsh truth is, we all deserve the same fate of Achan. But here's the amazing thing. Jesus took what we deserve. 
Now, we sing about that. We preach about that. We teach about it in Sunday school. But there's still a little bit in our mind that says, well, I know everybody else's sin deserved the cross, but I'm not that bad. You know, we, we think that way. We see the evil in the world and, and we think, well, that's just horrible. That's just awful. That's disgusting. But when that light gets shined on our life, we don't quite see it that way. But the reality is we're all aching. We've all departed from God's will. We've all decided our ways better than His way. We've all hidden away that treasure thinking, oh, it won't matter. And the harsh truth is we all deserve exactly what Achan got. So Jesus came into our world and He took our punishment on Himself. Isaiah 53.5 says, But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us Peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We can know the forgiveness of God because Jesus stood in our place. He stood in our valley of trouble. He took what we deserved so that we might be clean. Heavenly Father, this is a harsh reality for us to understand. We read this account of Achan and we think, wow, that was horrific. To stone someone because they took a few coins? It, it seems... Harsh. Until, Heavenly Father, we realize that we all deserve the same thing. We have all turned from your will. We've all followed our own path. We've all thought that we knew better than you do. We've all done just what Achan did. And we deserve just what he got. And we don't like to say that out loud, Lord, but deep down we know it. Deep down, every one of us knows those inner secrets that we don't want anybody to know about. Those sins that bring us shame and guilt. We know how desperately we need you. Heavenly Father, this morning we sing your praises. Because you met our need. You sent your Son into our world to take our shame, our guilt, our sin, and pay the price. God, we don't deserve that. We have in no way ever earned that. But God, we give you praise that in your marvelous grace, that's what you've done for us. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that that grace would shine bright this morning. Maybe there's someone here this morning that they're, they're recognizing their need. And they're wondering, could, could God love me? God, help them see your love brightly. 
Help them see that the cross was for them. God, for those of us as believers, let us never grow complacent. Help us always remember the price that was paid so that we could be called your children. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.